0: We're building something here, Detective. We're building it from scratch. All the pieces matter.
1: Hello, you are listening to the Grand Old Podcast, episode number 42. I am Hamish Carton as we convene for another look at the wonderful world of Celtic. Joining me as usual tonight, the the main men of the podcast, Paul Fisher.
0: Hello Hamish, how are we doing?
1: Very well. And also dragging himself away from Countdown, where he's apparently very good, John <laughs> McGinley. Yeah, it's funny, you usually introduce me first. I'm a little bit put out of joint there, Hamish. That's not very fair. It's just because you're good at countdown, I want yeah. to do that in at the end. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So we're, we're, we're expecting big words, John. We're expecting lots of good content tonight. Well, we're expecting lots of the good score, opinions. Though. He called the score, so. I did. I did. I also missed out on a uh, conundrum to beat your score the other night, so. Um yeah, it's been a kind of mixed bag for me in terms of countdown. Exciting life to we'll have. It's a very good game though. It was Paul Fisher that <laughs> that brought us or that brought the game to our minds, and I it's a, it's wonderful, isn't it, Paul?
0: Countdown loyal, I know. Um, <laughs> for for those that don't know, it's it's, it's on the App Store. Go and go and download it and see if you can beat him. It's a hundred and two, John.
1: Hundred and two, yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, we are certainly counting down the days till we play Zenit St. Petersburg in the Europa League last 32, worst link ever Uh, The draw was made today in neon, I assume, and uh, uh, of course we were the unseeded team and we came up against, or we found out we'll be coming up against the Russian side Zenit St. Petersburg Uh, So we're going to talk a bit about that today, we're then going to move on to the Hibernian match that happened on Sunday And discuss mm-hmm. how we're feeling Then we're going to have a little bit of a discussion About a certain Hibs player Who we possibly feel could be linked And has been linked with us in the past And could F- be F. A. Ambrose in the future F. A. Ambrose, It may be F.A. Ambrose Tune in mm. later on to find out who we're talking about And then we've got all the usual site stuff We've got Kieran Pollan's articles And some Predictor League stuff as well First of all, John, did you actually do the Prediction League this week? No Good, we'll look forward to that <laughs> later on. Looking forward to that already. Right, Europa League draw Paul Zenit at St Petersburg. Your feelings are that this draw isn't as bad as it could have been.
0: Exactly. Um the teams that we could have came up against and the teams that we were all talking about, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid were the were the two I think that you thought, right, we get them, we're stuffed, we're gonna and we're in for a hiding. <laughs> no, it always doesn't work like that, but um they were the two that we wanted to avoid and we, we did avoid and I think the one gripe I have is the fact that it's it's in Russia. Um, it's not an easy place to get to and for the fans and all that kind of stuff. we could have been a better draw with a harder team, but closer to home, and that might maybe have made it a wee bit better. But overall, I'm not I'm not fearful of them. I know they're a good side, and and they had a good uh, six games in the group. But over two legs, uh, we, we've we've done well against Russian teams in the past. Um, there, there's a loads of factors coming into play with the winter break and all that kind of stuff. So. I think we've got a, we've got a chance we've got a chance of progressing.
1: Yeah, we'll have a bit of a discussion about Zenit and the various factors that will undoubtedly surround this tie to do with the the winter break and how they're performing and in amongst that i will sprinkle in some Zenit facts as well. <laughs> so at, at the moment they're sitting third uh, in the Russian Premier League. They've actually just moved third, uh, albeit with a 0-0 draw. Um, that match is literally just finished They're behind, Kras, uh, behind, sorry, behind Spartak Moscow uh, And Lokomotiv Moscow They've just overtaken Krasnodar And they have, is this right now? 37 points yeah. from 20 matches mm-hmm. So I mean it's it's a decent record It's a tough league, the Russian league's famous for having All of these teams that could win the league There's probably about 6 or 7 top teams Sprinkled with money at the moment But they're kind of holding their own And I think I read somewhere else John That they've, they've finished in the, the top 3 In the last 8, 9 seasons, something like that
2: yeah, I mean, they're undoubtedly a good side who are, you know, well-organised to be successful in Europe and and domestically. So it's going to be a tough match. I, I think before the draw, when I was looking at maybe like the five teams I would like to avoid, they were probably one of them. But at the same time, it could have been much worse, I think. I think Paul was right. I mean, getting Atletico Madrid would have been a bit of a nightmare. Getting Arsenal, you know, Battle of Britain... Nonsense aside, and the motivation that comes along with that, I think Arsenal would have been too good for us as well. So I'm excited about the ties, getting a team that we've never played before, Mm. who don't have a great recent European history, and aren't doing amazingly well in the week. And coupled with this winter break thing, I think it should be a competitive tie, and I'm actually really looking forward. I think the fact that they're now off for two months, the first competitive match they play is at Celtic Park, and, and that's, that's a big factor. I don't want to be too cliché, but we can give them a game at Celtic Park.
1: Can we catch them cold at Celtic Park, Paul? <laughs>
0: well, I, I think that, as John says, if they're coming over here, not having played a game since today, and their next competitive game is against us... <laughs> um, imagine
1: that was us. Like, imagine that we were playing Motherwell or something tonight, and we weren't playing
0: until then, you'd be terrified. They also be terif- also be terribly bored of no football for two months as well. It, so it seems Russia a strange thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, like so last season they played eleven friendly matches between and during the winter break. So it's not like they're sitting about doing nothing. But yeah. friendly matches are friendly matches. But I mean, mm-hmm. they do play a lot of them. Eleven's quite a lot um, in a couple of months. So they will be as prepared as as they possibly can be. But
1: yeah.
2: I mean, I'm hoping that's a big factor. I can see it being a big factor. I think if we had to go there first. Maybe, we were their first match at home, then maybe that would be a, a little bit different. But the fact they've got to come all the way here and face us at Celtic Park, by that point, I'm hoping that we've picked up our form and I'm really, I think it's going to be a really good tie I think it'll be competitive mm.
1: They did, of course, after all those friendly matches last year, they did actually go out of the round of 32 Stage to Anderlecht, remember mm. them However, for the, the sake of balance the other two Russian teams that were involved in that round did actually go through mm. uh, I think Rostov or one of them, they eventually went out to Man United, I think they won 5-0 uh, and the, the other team, I think, beat Galatasaray or Ferabachi, one of the Turkish teams so I mean Maybe we're, we're over-exaggerating this The Maybe. effect of this winter break We of course uh, have to deal with the opposite side of things In the summer break when we come into the matches And qualifying for the Champions League And this season we came up against Rosenberg Who were in the midst of their season And mm-hmm. it was perceived as a big thing Look who won the tie So perhaps it is a thing that's over-exaggerated Talking of Rosenberg, they're the only team uh, that Zenit dropped points to in the Europa League they were in a group with Real Sociedad Vardar uh, who are from Macedonia I think and mm. Rosenberg and they got put five wins in a draw the draw was away to Rosenberg where yeah. we of course went and won so it's a good record, especially I think, the 3-1 win they had against Real Sociedad and Thursday. had a really, really good result in a match that determined who finished top of the group. There's no doubt in they've got quality. No team scored more than them in the group stages. Uh, of course, in contrast to that, we conceded the most goals in the Champions League groups. So <laughs> you'd certainly expect there to be goals in these ties. Uh, perhaps... The kind of interest and that is the fact that actually managed by Roberto Mancini I was thinking earlier and actually put in the group chat If it was AVB because that was the last manager mm. I'd heard at Zenit I wondered if he was still there but it's actually Mancini Who was, interestingly enough John He was the manager of Inter Milan when we played We last played at this stage of the competition What, three years ago? Yeah,
2: me and Paul were actually speaking about this Just before we came on air when you were messing about And like, I, I Mancini's not a manager I fear um, I think he's a decent manager who's done decent things, but he's not one of those ones who I feel like.
1: Yeah, it's not an Ancelotti, no, or no, Guardiola. no,
2: exactly, yeah. And I mean, when you think about that Inter tie, I mean, they they kind of scraped past us in the end. When you think about the three-three draw, and then we went to went to Milan, and you know Virgil Van Dijk got sent off on like the half-hour mark or oh, something, yeah. and then they took ages to finally score their goal, yeah. so. I mean, he's obviously got experience of playing Celtic, but I, I'm
1: not like fearful of him, the, the fact that he's a manager there. So he's got experience of coming to Celtic Park. Interestingly enough, Brendan Rodgers has experience of playing in Russia, playing in St. Petersburg against Zenit the reason I'm hesitating about saying the same stadium is because they've got a new stadium mm-hmm. and I assume it's that, that was prior to when Rodgers last played there cause I think it was 2013 when Brendan Rodgers took Liverpool over to Zenit, Zenit actually won that tie but what kind of relevance do you think that has in terms of the tie Paul, the fact that Brendan Rodgers has taken a team to St Petersburg, he's played against a Russian team before
0: and you know all that kind of stuff that goes with it I, I think obviously it, it's handy the fact that he knows um the, the way that the, the Russian the kind of style of play But also the fact that Mancini is there Is obviously a big factor too So it'll be interesting to see how, how we approach the game Obviously having the home leg first I think is a good thing for us Because um, we, we always I know we talked about it last week And we've seen how we've struggled at home in, in recent in recent years But I think in these knockout games Celtic Park can be a, a really difficult place to go And mm. we always seem to, to hold our own Regardless of the opposition that we're playing against, you know, you look back to Champions League uh, knockout ties that we've we played in the past, and we've never really been hammered or anything like that. We've maybe lost a couple of goals here and there, but um, I think uh, going over there the week after we, we play them after they're coming back, it's going to be massive. And and Roger's experience of of Russia of Mancini and it'll be key. Um, and I think hopefully he knows enough about the team and the management and the style of play that that we can get the um, the results that we hope for.
1: Talking about danger men And men would possibly fear In the Zenit squad The most obvious one The top scorer This season Is a Russian international Goes by the name of Alexander Cochrane Now if you think You may remember (laughs) The name It came um, from a team called Dynamo Moscow that we actually mm-hmm. beat um, about what near must be ten years ago. Now it was a Tony Mowbray season. Um, he scored the goal when they came to Celtic Park and won. Interestingly, sure, I think it was the Jersey doesn't shrink blog that pointed that out earlier on. Mm-hmm. So that was if you if you recognise that name. He scored eighteen in twenty eight matches and he quite likes the Europa League as well. Eight of those have come in the UEFA Europa League. Looking at other dangers aside from Cochrane it appears that. Emiliano Rigoni an Argentinian cap now gets his first cap in October he's a right winger who scored all six of his goals in the Europa League groups including a hat-trick against our old friends Rosenberg any other names that spring out to you the ones that spring out to me a couple of ex-Premier League players John you've got yeah. the likes of Yuri Zhurkov who uh, as you said must be what 45 or something <laughs> now and uh, Branislav Ivanovic who's been around for yeah. ages as well yeah
2: it's interesting, they're, they've actually got a core group of Argentinian players, I think. I think they've got four or five players who play regularly yeah. for them. Which is quite interesting. I'm not sure how that's coming about, whether it's Mancini or or what's going on there. But, yeah. I mean, that that's probably going to be tough for us. I think a few of them have caps as well. I don't think they're regulars for for Argentina, but I think a few of them have caps. I've so. certainly
1: heard of Leandro Paredes. He's yeah. a, he's a yeah. good player. He's had caps for Argentina. And I
2: think these were all players who were good in Argentina before they left South America. And they've come to Zenit, obviously, probably earning big money, probably yeah. far beyond the resources that we have. So, this is a good side. I don't think we can underestimate them. And I think if you think about the tie, you would probably make them favourites, wouldn't you?
1: Yes. Yeah. I of, think you'll see when, when the bookies odds come out, I think mm. you'll see Zenit as, I, I think, pretty pretty sure favourites. I don't think it would be like a 60-40. I'd put it about a 70-30. I certainly think that the bookies would put it like that. I know you guys might disagree. Um, that's how I'd look at it. Mm. A, few, a few other names, have got they seem to basically, if you're if you're describing the squad from afar, you basically have about six Argentinians. You've got a few other players who are kind of Italians. The captain, Crescito is a left-back. He's been at World Cups for Italy, a good player. Uh, and then the rest are just Russians. we have got so many Russian caps. The names that will just ring a bell from World Cups, the likes of Anukov and Shatov and as I said Fezulin (laughs) and Zhurkov and Zuba they've got all these names you just remember just from World Cups from seeing Russia and uh, they're going to be they're going to be full of confidence aren't they Um, playing playing for Zenit and obviously it's a chance for them a World Cup coming up maybe I'm looking too much into it but a chance to impress on the European stage and they've got they've got players to fear there as John says don't they Paul?
0: They do indeed and they're not they're not going to be in this position like Obviously winning a group and In and the Europa League and, and consistently being at the top of the Or around about the top of the Russian League If, if they weren't a good side So the, the, to underestimate them I think would be, be at our peril and The fact that um, we know we've got a good side So um, we know we've got the players That can win matches and score goals They have too So it's going to be close I think they will be favourites And I think you're right to say that And I think most people Will, will expect them to, to go through But there's so many factors at play so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting tie
1: When you look at the fact we're going to Russia John and people mm. often say that oh it's Russia really we could have done mm. without going to Russia is that a bit of a myth when it comes to Celtic when you look at a record? I think
2: it is at this point and I think even with Brendan Rodgers' team like we've got experience of going to Astana etc it's a similar size of trip and mm. I think the fact is that we've got a good record against Russian opposition people will remember matches against Spartak Moscow the, the game against Dynamo Moscow, you know, Samurath scoring last-minute goals in both of those, those are recent memories for Celtic fans, so I don't think mm. we'll be, we need to kind of fear going there in, in terms of it's the size of the trip and it's tough going to Russia in winter. I mean, I think we can we can do something over there as well. I mean, we've seen plenty in the past that we can score away from home, so if we can get an away goal, I think the the knockout nature of this adds a different dimension than groups. I mean, if imagine, you know, we could... Get a decent result at Celtic Park, go over there, get an away goal, and lose two one and still go through. And I mean that's kind of and and some on our way to Seville. You mean that happened a, a couple of times. And you think of that Celtic Vigo game. All it took was that away goal from John and I mean these these ties are going to be decided by the slimmest of margins. And I would back us to go and score anywhere. I don't care where it is, whether it's in mm. France or Russia or you know in England like close to home. So I don't think the size of the trip is much of a factor for me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting looking at this squad. I'll go back to the Zenit squad, Paul, because they did have these these kind of massive names a few years ago. The likes of Hulk was playing for them, and Axel Witsel, and players like that. They are a side that that undoubtedly has quality, but they aren't a the side that they were. Four or five years ago And they were kind of In the Champions League Look like it's that old thing again That they're in the Europa League For a reason And I know you, you said a minute ago They're also the, the group winners For a reason And they're a good side But as a tie if we can get an advantage In the home game Which is going to be important We can As John says Go over there And, and have nothing to fear And score goals
0: Well that's it And you look at their recent um, European the, Their history They haven't Apart from You you know, say the quarter final maybe a couple of years ago they've, they've obviously yeah. they've gotten they've gotten to to the last 16 games but I don't know if it's just me, but they seem to struggle over this this format of of, of two-legged knockouts because they've not gone past, obviously, they're, they're playing difficult teams when it gets to Champions League, but they've not gone past the, the last 16 of the, the OGFA Cup, um, Champions League they always seem to go out of the round of 16 and, and they got to the quarterfinals once, so um, losing last year, the, I, I'd imagine their team isn't too much different to the, what it is this year against Anderlecht, and, and we know Anderlecht are probably a better side then, but we we went over to, to Belgium and we, we hammered them three 0 Um the who's to say that that doesn't happen against this team? Because <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a similar factor <laughs> and obviously league the league format's different from the knockout, but if we we get the win at Celtic Park, we get a result at Celtic Park, John said away goal could prove absolutely crucial. Um and just uh, just looking at the, on the face of it, no uh, statistics behind it, and it just looks like they don't have the mentality for the knockouts strategy. It's
2: it's interesting to know actually. While they won a few, or sorry, they didn't lose a match in in the group stages of the Europa League, they actually lost two matches in the qualifying for for the groups. They lost against they? an Israeli team, BN Yehuda Tel Aviv. They lost at home one nil to that team, and then one two nil away. And then against the FCU Utrecht, they uh, lost one nil away and won 2-0 at home. So they were beaten twice, and mm. those are teams that we would expect to beat, so or at least expect to do well against. So they're not unstoppable. They also went out of the Russian Cup um, in the first round. I think it was maybe a local derby, but they they went out early in that too. So maybe Paul's got a point there. Maybe mm. this kind of knockout thing doesn't really suit them, because as he says, the last time they've really got deep into competition was 2015 when they got to the
1: quarter final against Sevilla, and then they went out. Do you feel better or worse than you did this morning about our chances in the Europa League? And I ask you both that question? Paul, you go first.
0: I I, I think I, w- I was optimistic anyway, but I think I feel I'm I'm pretty pretty happy. Um, I'm not disappointed. I'm not disheartened, and I'm not going to be going into this game thinking oh, we've no chance. We maybe sneak a one now or something. I'm going into this game with confidence, and hopefully. Um, between now and then, the domestic form will be good, and we will go in full of, uh, full of wins, full of goals, and then see what happens.
2: I'm just happy that we know who our opponents are now. Like that fear of the unknown kind of unsettles me a little bit. I start feeling anxious about who we could get, and I think Zenit is a. It's going to be an interesting, and I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the tie, and I think I'm not going to hold it out too much against the team if we, we don't go through, but. At the same time, I think the opportunity is there for us to go and do something
1: pretty, pretty decent. Mm. I think it's, it's almost at the stage for me when I'm, I'm looking at Zenit and when Zenit came out of the hat, you know my reaction straight away was we're out pretty much. But <laughs> since then, I've, my thoughts have matured since then and I almost feel like, look... Fair enough, the group stage of the Champions League, we've come for the Champions League, we've played humped against Bayern and PSG, all that kind of stuff. Zenit are nearer to us than they are to PSG. This is a game for me We're slight underdogs go into it, as I said earlier, but I think the team have got to see this as a real opportunity. This is, As I say, yeah. this isn't PSG or Barca we're playing, this no. is Zenit St. Petersburg, this is, for Celtic, in my opinion, the way we know we can play, this is a winnable tie. And I, w- I would actually, I-, I don't know the last time... That Celtic really actually went out and kind of beat a t- beat a team like this over two legs. It was probably probably about ten ten years ago, something like that. Maybe Spartak Moscow. I mean, a winnable tie, a tough team, but a winnable tie. and I would love to see us really go for this, perform, and, and really get the fans behind us. I think the home game, um, the home game could be really special. The Atmosphere will be incredible. It'll sell out, I assume. Yeah, I think for I a game would, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And and then going over to Russia, hopefully have something to protect. So. Obviously we're gonna chat more about Protecting. this I, I would think. Um what's that? Protecting seems like a big issue though. <laughs> yeah, that that is possibly it. But you know what I mean, going over with, with no, something no, to something to hold on to. Yeah, so uh, we are obviously going to chat a bit more about this uh, as the tie approaches over the the two and a bit months. But I, I echo your thoughts, John. I'm I'm glad we now know who we're playing, and I, I quite enjoy this kind of knowing before Christmas and then the whole the whole build mm-hmm. up to, uh, and and just getting ready for the match when it eventually eventually comes. So uh, if you get anything else to add, I'll maybe ask you right now just so it can have it in the the kind of store books sort of whatever was said. Give us a percentage rating of Celtic going through each of you.
2: I would say like maybe forty percent. Yeah. I think
0: that's probably fair. Like I, I yeah. Nah, I I'd go straight down the middle, fifty fifty chance. <laughs> um knockout it's a it's a two legged affair, it's a knockout thing. And I think the I would have agreed with John, but I think the winter break plays a big factor.
1: Mm. We don't yet as of recording know the exact time for the match. I assume that the home game would be it's the both eight Yeah, I think not? we do, yeah. Both eight do o'clock. We. Are they both eight o'clock? No, I think the away like six
2: o'clock is an hour time. Six o'clock.
1: Right. Yeah. That's what I would assume. would that mm-hmm. happen because they usually find a way of getting the kind of UK teams at home. Certainly would would not fancy a six o'clock home game uh, at Celtic Park. But yeah, hopefully those those are those are definitely finalised. Um, whenever. So yeah, if you get anything else to add, obviously tweet us in your thoughts in the draw, how you fancy our, our chances are going through, and, and we'll mm-hmm. obviously talk about it and the lead up to the tie, where that is two and a half months away or so. In the meantime we'll chat about Sunday's match More dropped points in the Scottish Mm. Premiership We've now dropped more points In what, 20 odd games this season Than we did in 38 last year Mm. Uh, Is that a a bad start in the face of things John? Well, I think direct comparisons to last year Are a
2: little bit unfair I must Mm. be getting mellow in my old age here Because although I appreciate the manner of the, the, the draw which, in the end, felt like more of a defeat, even though it wasn't. But the manner in which we gave away a two-goal lead was incredibly disappointing. And the team deserve a bit of stick for that. especially that defence, who I think as a unit, the whole the, the five of them from Gordon, Tierney, Zeminovic, Boyata and Lustig, I thought they were all pretty rotten. And I think we just invited so much pressure onto ourselves and gave Hibbs a route back into the match that we should have won at cannot. And we had the chances to do that too. I mean, it's not all in the defence. We had chances to win that game um, before and after the two goals that Scott Sinclair scored. I think in general, though, I, th- I felt like the reaction to it was a little bit panicky from maybe some sections of the support, like like it means that we're, we're in some kind of massive lull. And I appreciate the results aren't as good as last season, but they were never going to be because I think the scale of that achievement, as we've said many times... It was unprecedented for a reason and it's going to be. it was always going to be more of a battle this season, more difficult. I think the fact that Brendan Rodgers has put more of a focus onto Europe, he's rotated the team more and he's kind of tried to get the team up for the European matches more than perhaps the domestic ones. I think it was always going to be a factor and although that didn't really pay off in terms of our performances in the Champions League, I think having that tangible reward of having European football Chris- after Christmas was worth it in the end. And it just I, I just felt like it, the the reaction to it was a little bit overblown, but although it was obviously a horrendous defending and a, a pretty bad result in the end, I think that we're fine. We're going to be fine. We're probably going to win the treble. We're five points clear with a game in hand, and that's kind of been labelled as a bad thing. But that's pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Um yeah again it's in comparison to last year yeah. Is the reason that people label it a bad thing cuz this time last year we were what like yeah. 15 20 points ahead I'm, so i think i think that is a, a fair comment you make yeah, in it's completely unfair
2: and i'm not trying to discredit the the criticism of the team because you, as you know that I i'm more critical of that defense than a lot of people and i think it was obviously horrendous but i think in in the context of our season like everything's fine Everyone just needs to kind of calm down a little bit. It's going to be a busy December and I, I would actually be surprised if we didn't drop more points by the end of December. So I'm um, just braced for that because I think that's, it feels like yeah. never We've got six matches in the next like 18 days or something or 19 days. So yeah. it's a long December. It's going to be really difficult and we just need to go,
1: go with the flow, if you will. My next big prediction on this podcast, and we know they always go well, is that we will lose our unbeaten run before the end of this year, Ooh. and I've pinpointed either Tynecastle or den's Park as being as being one of the the two games where we'll lose i, I just feel that the team is really tired at the moment. I feel mm. that they're they're struggling a little bit in terms of the, the schedule and playing all of these matches. I think it was you who pointed out yesterday, John that this team has played what forty odd games 30, so far this odd. season. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like By credits. the time it gets by, oh, the, yeah. right,
1: by the time it gets to the end of the year They'll, they'll have played 40 odd games Which is an incredible amount of games mm. to play since July And it's only natural that they feel like this I feel for me the team was riding The, wave, the crest of a wave Last season under Brendan Rodgers Everything just went spectacularly In domestic uh, football last season I just feel this year that they're perhaps Struggling to get going in certain games And I think, I don't, I don't exactly feel That yesterday was an example of that actually Because I thought like Brendan Rodgers' comments post match that for seventy, seventy five minutes I thought yeah. we were really good yesterday. Mm-hmm. I thought we had a purpose about a play. I thought and Cham and Brown were excellent. I'd use the word excellent in the midfield, I thought they were really good. And I just felt that for whatever reason it was a game of seventy five and then fifteen because the minute that, that Hibbs got that, that goal to make it two one, the team were just panicky from then on. And I know we had chances still to win the match, but I mean Boyata, Semyunovich, Tierney were awful for those last 15 minutes mm. they were kicking everything, they really struggled to keep the ball and that was alarming for me because that was that was almost how we sometimes seem to play in Europe when we are put under pressure and that was against Hibbs. so I feel that in terms of the way the team played in those last 15 minutes, I feel that has raised concerns for me, I actually didn't know were there, I thought the team was more able to, to soak up pressure and deal with that and and in the end we could well have lost the match, um, I get the fact that it's Neil Lennon and I think Hibbs. Show uh, an intent against us They're not scared of us like every other team is And and that just comes from the manager The fact that they go right at us And they made a real game of it And I get that point But I thought the, the ending of the game for me Anyway was disappointing And I'd assume you feel the same way Paul
0: yeah it is, it's always disappointing Especially when the, the way the game was going When it got to 65 minutes and we are up 2-0 um, We've seen that a lot of times over the last 18 months And usually what happens is we'll either score another couple of goals Or we'll we'll take the foot off the gas And we'll we'll see it out without conceding And it, it just seemed to happen that the mistakes started to creep in And Hibbs got that goal Even when they scored the first goal I still didn't think they had it in them to, to get another But when the, the second goal went in you did fear the worst In terms of mm. the, the the They're going to Try and push on But we, we did as John said We had chances Even after they scored Both to, to, to finish The game off again um, This time last season Maybe we would have done so But I think These are both right In terms of the, the criticism is valid But it's overblown In the sense that We didn't lose the game And The fact that We are, we are five points clear And we have got a game in hand I don't think I, I, under, I don't understand How you can criticise A team that's that's uh, so far ahead in terms of on the park as well. But like, just looking at league table, we, we've got one game to play. And when we play that game, you would imagine you get three points, you go you go eight points clear. And then teams behind us, Aberdeen Rangers, Hibs, start thinking, right, well, there's no chance of us catching them now. Um, it's all mm-hmm. about second place. And, and the mentality changes after that because once Aberdeen and Rangers, and, and Hibs as well, to an extent only three points behind, realise that they can't win this league. They're all going for second place and it becomes damage limitations in some of the other games where maybe they're one each, say, Hibs or Aberdeen are playing against St John's and they're one each. And if they were going for the league, then maybe they would go try or go all out to score a goal but if, if they're realising that somebody else has dropped points they'll say alright we'll settle for a, for a draw and it." and it'll, it'll come to pass I and mean, Celtic will be 15-20 points clear and, and people say oh it's a walk in the park and, and why were we worrying and stuff like that <laughs> so it, exactly why are we worrying just now I but, don't think we should be
2: yeah, I mean that is a big month though isn't it I mean we do need to play well I think this month to kind of see through I mean people do forget that when we, you're right, Paul, people I think when we're kind of fifteen points ahead, people forget that it does get difficult at stages in the season and the fact we've played so many games and I know we've got a wage bill beyond everyone in the league, but that, that's why we're top of the league still, despite playing so many games, despite having to play a match at the weekend and then midweek against elite opposition. It's just it's 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 really difficult. And I think in 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 some sense I'm actually pretty pleased with where we are right now in the season, I feel like we're in a strong position. And I think, you know, our form is the best of anyone in the league still. And I don't think we need to be too harsh. I think you can criticise that match individually because it was just... <laughs> like, the last 15 minutes were pretty comical. But We were just... We were horrendous. We just capit- totally capitulated. And if we do that against Zenit, it's going to be a long night. But... Hmm. Like I just want, I just I'm feeling pretty good about December. I'm hoping I'm going to pick up a few wins. I'm just desperate for that winter break as well. I thought we came back last season after the winter break, really energised and ready for the final few months of the season. So mm. we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. I mean, I'm not, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling bad about anything right now as Celtic, mm. apart from that defence. <laughs> I've, I've always felt like
1: that. I find myself constantly in a, a difficult position regarding Celtic this season because first of all you had these European humpings and it's, it's, it's I just I found it very mm. difficult to find a stance of what a... <laughs> <laughs> Where to, to put my, my stall down And say this is how I feel Because on one hand You've got this whole amazing last season And I get that people go on About the fact that oh, This team, that's last season This is this season now But I think there is a an element of Them kind of earning their own respect From what happened last season And earning a kind of period of grace When things don't go well agree, this yeah. season mm-hmm. So it's a difficult one for me And in this domestic form Again, I'm, I'm looking at it We've played 16 games We've won 11 of them We've drawn 5 Take that all on all on its own. I wouldn't say that's that's terrible at all. I mean, the five draws are maybe like a couple too many, but mm-hmm. I mean we're still unbeaten this season. We've won the league cup, and I just I do agree. I think that December could actually, funnily enough, be quite a pivotal month. Although nothing will be handed out. We've got no cup games. We've got no European matches. Um, it could be an interesting month in terms of seeing where we're lying and how, what spirits we go into the winter breaking.
2: I don't know if you agree Paul but I would probably, I mean Tamish is saying like, he's struggling to f- say how he feels about that, for me I think it would be I feel like it's frustrating but not damaging, that's how yeah. feel. Mm. Yeah, I feel.
0: I yeah th- I think a lot of people have been looking at the last uh, 5 or 10 games as a, as a kind of a benchmark for the season and you look at the games, You take away Bayern, take away PSG Take away Anderlecht we've won a cup. We have beat Motherwell five one after having to play them three times, and we're still sitting top of the league. And we've just got to, just got the draw for the Europa League to see who we're mm-hmm. going to play. So I don't think it's a bad situation at all. I know that individually there's going to be bits, there's going to be points in individual games, and there's going to be disappointing results. It's always going to be the case. We're not going to win every game at a canter. It's 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 an impossible situation to put the team in, and I think. The fact that we drew with Hibs again is maybe the fact that we drew to each with them earlier in the season. They gave us a good game in the League Cup semi-final so it's maybe the fact that it's not learning from mistakes against the same side. Maybe that has something to do with it but I think overall we were by far the better team. We should have won the game nine times out of ten we would have won the game so it's not one of these ones I'm going to dwell on for too long. It's not a game you're going to look back on when we do the season review and go, Oh, remember that 2 2 game against Tabs? It's not going to be relevant at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, you say that. I mean, I really enjoyed the game, though. I really enjoyed watching game. it. And I know that it was frustrating at the end, and I was, pretty, I was pretty pissed off with certain aspects of how we managed to contrive to actually draw the game. But as a spectacle, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see every week. I mean, it was a, it was a great game, especially that second half.
1: Mm, I agree completely with that. I mean, that last thirty seconds—I've never oh, seen a thing like that in football. I was—it's kind of that way because everyone was still going, "Oh God, what a clearance for Lustig!" And I was kind of switched on. I'm going, "Oh my <laughs> oh, God, we're in here." Scott Scott Brown does amazing for that chance. Mm. He beats about three men, plays it Armstrong, plays it over, and I still—I I don't know how to sign clear. And I know he has one in the exact same angle. The one he was offside, that he tucks in the corner, and if that could have just been the other way round, and that one he tucked in the corner—I mean, that would have been for finishes that would have been one of some of the most dramatic scenes ever
2: one of the big talking points coming out of the match was who won the midfield battle Scott Brown or John McGinn so how did you guys see it
1: I thought it was pretty even. Mm. Um, I thought it was a really, really good battle. It was good battles all over the pitch, mm. though. I really That's what I'm, I was saying earlier I really like Hibs because they're managed by Neil Lennon and he just installs, as we know from our Celtic days, this no fear mentality. He doesn't fear anyone, Neil Lennon. He won't fear Celtic. He gives us respect and he defends well, but he sends his players out there. And John McGinn, I think, epitomises that. I thought he was just about as hard a game as Scott Brown could get in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought Scott Brown had a really good game, mm-hmm. but I thought equally John McGinn had a really good game. I thought they were in teacher. I think they get on quite well, the two of them, so mm-hmm. it was a real kinda it was a friendly battle but a real competitive mm-hmm. battle as well. Um if you're asking who came out on top it, I'd say it was pretty even. But for me, I mean John John mcginn for me is a player we should be looking at. I've said it for a while and, and yesterday Yesterday I saw it again. I think he's just—he's a real top player and a player who can even go on to to further or a a higher level the way he plays. He just—he drives so well. He's full of energy. He's got real quality. He's really got everything. And I think if you were looking for possibly down the line a replacement for Scott Brown, I think he's probably the guy you would look at from Scotland. Anyway, what do you think, Paul? Have you kind of eyed up that battle or looked at John McGinn? i seen much of him.
0: Yeah, I think I was always one of these guys that kind of underestimated him um, Always thought there was there was loads of no pressure But um, hype put on his shoulders the fact that he's this new big thing And he's coming through and he's the star man for Hibs and all that kind of stuff And the fact that I respect the fact that he didn't move from Hibs earlier Because he obviously had chances, he had chances to go elsewhere um, Down south and stuff like that at the start of this season but he stayed on And he's impressed Massively in the league so far He's one of the, He's probably one of their uh, Top performers uh, Overall Probably over the last Three or four years and, and the fact that They're sitting three points Off a second place Is, is brilliant Because I think for the way that, that Lennon's came in and changed the, changed the team about and, and he's made them into a team of, of battlers and winners which is, is always good for the league but I I think he's, he's kind of head and shoulders above the other players He, he he's still only 23 so he's not as if he's, he's old but he's been about for a while he's played a number of senior games so um, he's always going to be there or thereabouts in terms of the better players he's got international experience now I think obviously we're looking at him as as a replacement to scott brown and mm-hmm. the the games that we've played against him so far this season, I think why why not he's 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 a really really good player um he scores goals from positions that i don't know if that's the one thing I would say that he's maybe got over Scott Brown is that he can. He can pick a goal out better than Scott Brown I know Scott Brown mm. scored goals over his career But McGinn's no, young He can definitely definitely find the, the back of the net So whether whether we go, we, we will sign him uh, Remains to be seen But he's one of these players When, when you look at the rest of the league um, he, he's, in, he's certainly in the top five in terms of performers <laughs>
1: We sent out the question on Twitter Simply put uh, Should we sign John McGinn? 697 votes 66% So two thirds of the 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 voters went for the answer yes, John, that mm-hmm. they think we should sign John McGinn. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm into it. Yeah, I'm into it big time. And I'm not saying as a guarantee you'll make it to us, but I think he's got a really good chance, and I think he's earned. I think he's earned it. I think uh, if we signed him, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. I think he's he slowly emerged. You know, I I was I I was a fan of him at St Mirren, and he had those couple yeah. of seasons in the Scottish Championship, so he kind of went off my radar a bit. But I think he's been good this season, especially in the matches against us. And I think when Paul talks about you know natural long term replacements for Scott Brown, I think and look at our team. And I think I think John McGinn's got a better chance than anyone in our team currently. I don't think he's got as much potential as Olivier and Cham. He's a different sort of player though, isn't he? He's not he's not as physical as Scott Brown yeah. and John McGinn. And I don't think he'll. i also don't think he'll be here for the next ten years. You look at. Callum McGregor, he's also a different type of player he's busier, yeah. he's looking to get into the, the final third and then you look at Stuart Armstrong who I think a lot of people have gone off in recent weeks, is still a good player, at the same time I can't see him spending his entire career at Celtic and I think I think John McGinn and Scott Brown have more heart and determination I would argue, so when you look at the yeah. midfielders that we currently have and the fact that we do need to replace Scott Brown over the next few years, I think Scott Brown still got another couple of seasons but I look at John McGinn and I see him as a candidate. I'm not going to be raging if we don't sign him, but I, I, I'm into signing him and I think he's got a good chance of making it here. And I think it, it seems to be a move that makes perfect sense. And the fact that he's a Celtic fan and all that, I think that plays a part too. I think he he would love playing for Celtic. I think the fact that he plays well against us is a sign that he's looking to impress us. And I think mm. I, I, I'm into that. I, I appreciate that.
1: Mm. he certainly he has a different player as you say to the likes of Stuart Armstrong and to Callum McGregor and to Livy Scott Brown is the kind of nearest player that I would, I would look at as being um, quite or John McGinn being like I, I just love the fact that he, he drives a team forward when he's playing he's always it's hard. It's it's hard to kind of explain exactly how how I see him playing, but he almost plays like he's always trying to shrug someone off. He's always got someone behind him. He's always just shrugging someone off and then playing a a key ball around the corner or whatever. I, I think he's a good player. I think he's a future Scotland international. I know he's already had Scotland caps but a constant fixture in the the Scotland team. And I, I think he'd only improve it as under a manager like Brendan Rodgers. I'm I'm the same as you, John. I wouldn't. I'm not going out and saying, look, absolutely go and sign this guy before anyone else. I think there's areas of the team that we could strengthen before we set, we get John McGinn. But equally, um, I, I would I would love to sign him. I think he's as you say, he's a he's a Celtic fan, which does mean something. Mm-hmm. And he's a player who, who certainly has a quality to play from. I, I was very impressed with him yesterday, and it was kind of the moment for that first half an hour. The way he played, it was kind of the moment when I went, yeah, I think this guy mm-hmm. is a guy that we should we should look at and play, uh, signing as well anything else to add Paul on, on John McGinn and, and do you give him the kind of signing endorsement that me and John have given him
0: yeah I, th- I think so and I think it's, it's one of these ones where it's been talked about for a while and it will come about eventually or there will be some more talk about it eventually especially as, as Scott Brown does age and get older so um, I'd be excited to see him if he, if he does make the move to Celtic I'd be excited to see what he'd be able to do um, and, and how he'd in European football as well
2: You just think about it though like the, he's, he's currently learning his trade under Neil Lennon as well Who is one of the, the best midfielders We've had in the last 20 years So that's a factor too And obviously they won't be talking about him joining Celtic, etc. But Neil Lennon's playing a role in his development. I think if we sign him now while Brendan Rodgers is at the club, I think over the next few years, Rodgers could take his game on immensely. And I thought it was funny the way that he said, you know, he's still got a lot of learning to do after the game. Usually Rodgers is full of praise for opposition players that stand out. But I thought it was funny that he kind of tried to Have this competitiveness going between Scott Brown and John McGinn. I think he recognises there's a kind of rival, not not a major rival, because obviously Scott Brown. I think he is leagues ahead of where John McGinn is. But I think it's he's kind of trying to get something out of Scott Brown there as well. I think it was interesting, interesting comments from him.
1: Mm. And Paul, finally, you got to see the the love of your life again up against Celtic last night or
0: yesterday. I know. I even got a goal. I think you actually Did you celebrate the goal Was that right <laughs> No I was I think I, what I, what I <laughs> said In the group chat Was Effie Am- Ambrose and three laughing faces When he scored I couldn't I couldn't be angry At him for scoring
2: Did you see that throw in Last week
0: That was amazing
2: Oh like, If you haven't no, seen it w- the, What was this If listeners haven't seen it I think were they playing Patrick Thistle Paul, Or something I think yeah, he, yeah. he goes to take Aye. a throw in And instead of throwing it in he, The ball just falls Through his hands <laughs> yeah,
0: Goes behind him <laughs> He Couldn't have done it If he
1: tried <laughs> classic Anthony Stokes is still a bit of a walloper
2: Mm, yeah I didn't think he was I didn't think he was very good Uh, I think he's he he had his peak years at us didn't he I'm quite a big fan of Stokes I appreciate what he he contributed to us but I think uh, I think his time is maybe a top level even Scott premiership (laughs) player
1: is behind him it's just a shame Mm. Indeed. Right, we'll move on to Kieran Pollan's stuff because, as you know, repeat, repeat, he is going through the road to Seville. Mm -hmm. At this stage, we are, fitnily enough, actually, we're playing, or we found out today, we're playing a team who wear light light blue, sky blue shirts, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about a Spanish team that wore and still wears sky blue shirts. Celta Vigo, the second leg review, is uh, on the site probably today no, tomorrow, or tomorrow, tomorrow lunchtime <laughs> or tuesday lunchtime if you're listening to this so but this right.
2: is a good one I, I think it's maybe the best one he's done so far i enjoyed reading it and it's just our only defeat of the run yeah our only defeat of the run well apart from portal <laughs> well yeah yeah but we, we we won't even get him to do an article on that. <laughs> do you think he's going to do the final well, i think he i think he'll do the final yeah and uh-huh. I, I also spoke to him and i think he's going to come on the show but i think we're going to do him on the show for the semi-final not the final because um, oh, it's more more celebratory, but the thing is, I thought it was interesting. I kind of I'd kind of forgotten this, and it's easy to forget now. But the context of that game was that we hadn't qualified for European football after Christmas in nineteen eighty, yes. and that's a long, long time. And we'd we'd kind of edge past them in the first leg, and we had to go away and kind of sort out this really good La Liga side, who really gave us a good game, scored first, and then we got a crucial away goal. I mean it's incredible I th- I, 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 I'm kind of struggling to think of the times We've went through ties and away goals it's, it's not often I don't think um, I'm trying to think of another time That we've gone through on away goals oh. for something. There, there will be times that I've just forgotten My memory is terrible I think, but I
1: think technically I think Legia Warsaw
2: <laughs> 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 A 3-0 um, home win But you know so it's an interesting article he kind of puts it all into context I, I like that he kind of builds up to the match and his introductions and then like his yeah. quotes and the little stuff that you've forgotten that the opposition coach said or like Matt O'Neill said in the build up to the game it's a good time it's a fun time and then there's always highlights and
1: stuff it's good enjoy it right do you want to have a wee fun age game here oh, and see the, the varied
0: ages What what's your story from this game then Paul Um, I'm I'm Honestly, see, see during the the the, the whole um, run, I always thought there was there was games that stood out, and there was games that you were hiding behind your your hands, weren't you? Yeah. And I think this is that this and Boavista were the two games for me where I thought this could be it, but. Um, I always remember the fact that Celtic it was a Celtic Celta thing one and the, the the derby or they were calling it because of the the similarities and the names and stuff like that. But I think just the the relief is the big thing from this um, tie rather than just the, the one leg that getting through um, on their way goals and and moving on towards the the last sixteen and and, hopefully, and obviously we were hopeful at that time but we weren't putting a lot of pressure on it but getting through um, and getting beyond Christmas because I'd never seen that before in my lifetime. How old were you, Paul? Um, I was Celtic Vigo game So I'd just Turned 11
2: <laughs> That's going to make Everyone <laughs> feel so old Probably people <laughs> Listening to this Are never actually of a game and stuff I mean I was yeah. I was only 16 I was still a, a Fair bit older But I, I was probably That was the kind of stage Where Football is everything But there's also Other stuff going on it's, it's a strange time To think back And I just I would wish I'd just been a, a tiny bit older Like the The, the, mm. the Seville game I, I couldn't go to that Because I had a math hire and just stuff like that that stuff like that and Kevin
1: Bridges has a, a kind of similar mm. story in his book doesn't mm-hmm. he or he maybe went and he had the maths, maths hire yeah. on the same day so, so I must be ages I, with
2: Kevin Bridges but I mean the fact yeah. the fact that I just wish even just two years older it would have been one of the best times of my entire life and while it was magic yeah. I was just that little bit too young uh, unfortunately mm. for listeners who are older and feel old <laughs> right now Right well my story um, <laughs>
1: oh, to make God. me feel even older <laughs> is that uh I was I basically, I remember watching, well, I don't remember watching this game. I remember it being on, and I remember Celtic wearing that yellow kit away from home. And basically, the story was that I was to go to bed at half time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then John Hartson scored and he must have scored right on the brink of half time I just remember that clearly and I remember Rob McLean giving it oh John Hartson and for some reason Rob McLean seemed to be a much better commentator back then I don't know he was, what happened he joined Satanta he joined Satanta and I went yes, piss from there Satanta round him yeah. but he was giving it all these beans live on, on BBC and uh, I just remember going up for a bath and <laughs> uh, my or my dad whoever it was saying uh, there you go second half C- Celtic have scored second half you get to watch it now Because effectively it was interesting When Celtic had a chance Because I think the feeling was at the time That we might struggle without an away goal And obviously we went through on the away goal So yeah, that was my memory from that one it was always, It's always one that, that stuck out It's quite a, a strange one Because it was a time before I understood football at all I didn't understand oh, right back this what you should be doing, centre mid, etc But I understood goals I understood that kind of thing And this game, or that game, always stood out to me Certainly more than the, the home leg and, uh, I think I, I didn't. Obviously, you guys have been put through a, a much kind of a tougher ordeal, having to. Yeah. Because I, I assume it was quite tough, I, and it was almost like Beersheva in the second half. But I mean, it was it was a, a good win in the end. After the Blackburn tie, I felt I think the general feeling was that we
2: could do something in the competi- competition, but we had to prove ourselves against a good team from the continent. And I think people were like a bit nervous about that away game because we didn't play particularly amazing in the first game. And that team were obviously a good team with good players, and I think after that game was when people started to truly believe that we could win the competition. I think the fact mm. that we hadn't qualified for Europe beyond Christmas for what twenty three years or something, and the fact that we i don't think we'd ever knocked out a Spanish team before out of anything—so there was it was a memorable match and a milestone match for Martin O'Neill's team, and just just a great a great night. I mean sometimes I think Hartson's a little bit under, perhaps a little bit underrated in the Seville run maybe that's not fair to say obviously he's appreciated but like his contribution to the Seville run I don't think can be overstated he was just he was really good came up with big goals mm. you know
1: thing i love over the course of the run is there was no one hiding at any point no. in the run you think back to the big moments and Larson scored big goals hartson scored big goals sutton petrov lambert maloney etc players scored big goals at big times i love that about the run um but yeah i'm, I'm looking forward That i think this is brilliant what kieran's doing in fact we can run through all these brilliant ties and just the, the fact that he gives them all a bit of glamour and he gives them a bit of background as well so yeah that that'll be up on the site um Today probably when you're listening to this, and uh, you can you can give a give a uh, give a read of that tie because it was it was a fantastic um, fantastic outcome to put a team of Celtic Eagles quarterly out. Mm-hmm. We will move on to the Predictor League <laughs> as mentioned earlier. John McGinley, you did not answer or predict any game. You're still thirty fifth, moving up to the top end of the table. It's quite interesting because Amish Carton and Steakheed it would appear, are conjoined. At the top of the well, near the top of the table, and joint eighth place, forty points for each of us this week. A total of seven hundred and thirty. Then the top seven uh, from seven to one are A J A, who's in seven forty. Boy Hero eight ten. G H M five hundred one eight sixty. Biscuit sixty seven eight seventy. Dan Boy eight eighty. Big Elbow nine hundred. And stretching his lead even further is Mickey B M. On ten, forty, now forty for him. Yes, he has um, no doubt in it, Paul. He's the man for for me and you to chase.
0: Oh, it's it, it, we're we're slowly getting there. We're, we've managed to get to the top ten. Um, we're clawing it back. We're only ten points behind 7th now. So I think fifth could be the the target for the next couple of games, and then work our way up to the top. We we'll, we'll, we can finish. Uh, we going to the last week. We can we can just split it in the middle. And we can share the prize <laughs> that John's <laughs> going to give us. You know. sounds good. Sounds good.
1: John, any comment to make? Uh, no. No. Okay. Anything else to make, Joy. I think that's it. That was a good wee show.
2: Enjoyed that. Um, yeah. I think that's that's oh. it for me in terms of Celtic stuff,
1: anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of all out Celtic out as well, Paul. Yeah, I'm going to go back to Countdown now. Fantastic. Enjoy your Countdown. Download Countdown because it's incredibly good. And uh, download any former podcasts that we've done as well because they're incredibly good as well. <laughs> So, yes, until next week, we'll hopefully be back on Sunday with some more Celtic chat. Thanks to John McGinley, Paul Fisher, I've been Hamish Carton. Take care and hail, hail.